Well, last week uh, we began a series entitled Watch and Pray. Everybody say watch and pray. And honestly, the days that we live in demand that we watch and pray. So last week, today, the next few weeks, we're going to kind of break down some things so that uh, the goal would be, is it, and I know this is going to sound a little ambitious, the goal would be that all you Meadowbrookers would master watching and praying. That truly you would get a hold of what it is to watch and to pray. And I, I talk to so many people that say, I just don't know how to pray. You're going to learn. You're going to learn. And number one way to learn to pray, talk to God about it. Just pray. Just start doing it. But we're going to show you some things. But very crucial with prayer is that you're watching. If you watch and you don't pray, you're just going to worry. And if you pray and you don't watch, you're going to pray some really weird prayers. And so we want to get that together to watch and pray. Now we're going to break down one aspect of watching today. Let me remind you where we first started with this. In Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the reality is the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's the reality. The result of that, if not touched, if not helped, Spirit is willing, flesh is weak. You will, here's the reality, the, the result, you will enter into temptation. But there's a remedy. And the remedy is that you watch and pray. And there's a preparedness that comes. There's a strength that comes only through watching and praying. When Jesus gave that instruction to his followers, we can take it in the same way for ourselves and make sure that we watch and pray. And I want to say it again. The day that we live in demands that we watch and we pray. If you're with me so far, say amen. amen. In First Peter chapter 5, uh, I'm going to go ahead and go to verse 8. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I want to break down this. If y'all will leave that verse up for a moment. I want to break down just a few words here. It says, be sober, and that is watchful and circumspect. It's sober-minded. It's clear-headed. You're not letting anything cause blur for you as far as focus and concentration. Be sober. Be vigilant. That's to watch. It's to be awake. It's continual readiness. It's, it's uh, um, conscious earnestness. No drowsiness. No slacking here. It's very watchful. Again, with the whole idea of watch. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, you have an adversary, you have an enemy, you have someone who is against you, the devil. The devil is an accuser and slanderer. That's what it means. He's an accuser and a slanderer in the Greek there, diabolo. And so as he accuses and slanders, guess who he talks to? He talks to you. He slanders to you about you. He tells you how sorry you are and how he, he points out all kinds of flaws and failures of the past and weakness for the future. He's a slanderer and he's a liar. And he talks to you about you and then he talks to you about God and he tries to belittle God and demean God. And so you have an adversary, the devil, and this is what he does. He walks about. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. I always like to say you may not devour me. 
Thank you, all seven of you. And he's looking for whom he may devour. And I want, to, I want us to look at this word devour here. Devour means to swallow, to gulp down entire. He's just wanting to swallow you whole. Just one bite and you're out of here. And he's looking for whom he may devour. Now notice, it, the scripture says he goes about like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. Y'all hear? He's not a lion, but he goes around as a roaring lion. Roar is one of those words that we, our pronunciation of it comes from pretty much the sound it makes. Like drip and plop and, you know, things like that. And so, roar. And it's a roar. It's a howl. And what it is, it's a sign of anger. It's a sign, a sign of hunger. And it's, its whole purpose is to intimidate and to frighten. And if he finds that he can intimidate and frighten you, this toothless fake lion, then he'll just swallow you whole. And he's seeking whom he may devour. And I've thought about this. Now, I've actually developed this list over uh, 25 years or so. And I call it the W6. And this is whom he may devour. This is who he's looking for. The weak. There's six things that start with W. Some of you are like, W6. He's given us inside information. <laughs> yeah, and don't tell, okay? No. The weak, the wounded, the wondering. Get your answers, your, your questions answered. The wandering, the whiny, and the weird. It's true. Come on, it's true. Who can he devour? The weak, the wounded, the wondering, the wandering, the whiny, and the weird. And it's almost like a signal to the enemy. And then let me tell you that this W6 here, these things flourish. They flourish in the context of being apart and being alone and being away from everybody. When you're by yourself, when you're isolated, those things flourish in your life. You'll be more weak, more wounded, more, and, and so forth. It just, it just gets worse. Here's my advice. Stay with the group. Stay with the flock. Stay with the herd. If you watch these nature shows, you'll see the, the lion. He's kind of hanging behind the little, you know, the tall grass and stuff, and he's looking. What's he doing? He's seeking whom he may devour. And here's the truth. Listen to me. He can't eat the whole herd. He can't eat the herd. He's going he's to pick off the ones on the outside. Which ones on the outside? The ones that are weak, the ones that are wounded, the ones that are wondering, the ones that are wandering, the ones that are whining, and the weird ones. <laughs> and if you've got those things going on in your life, you need to migrate right into the middle of other people. This is why you've got to be in church. This is why you've got to have fellow believers with you. This is why you've got to get in small groups. As we get these groups going, you need, to, you need to plug in and get in. Life change really happens in the context of that kind of relationship, and you need to get into that. Amen. But he's looking to gulp you down. Now, if he cannot do that, if you've got enough on the ball that he can't just come in and gulp you down, and you know what? There's scads of people that he just gulps down. If he can't do that, then the second thing he'll try to do is this. 
disintegrate. Let's look at the words here. Integrate. When you integrate something, you put it together with. You, you work it toward being whole. The integration of something. And when you disintegrate, you separate the parts of. You break down by impact, by decay, by something. It breaks it down so that he can come and, and take you apart and take you down. And that's typically a process. Now, what we don't want to be is vulnerable. And that's the point. Be sober. Be vigilant. Are you with me? Yeah. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, you have an adversary. Me? I'm sweet. I have a promise calendar on the wall. I'm... You have an adversary. You have an enemy. Goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for the vulnerable. And we, we can't have vulnerability in our life. Typically, we just kind of think that women and children are vulnerable. But stop thinking that way. Stop thinking that way. And realize that probably some of the most vulnerable among us are men. And men, listen to me. And I'm going to take a few moments, ladies, with your permission, or not. Uh, I'm going to talk to the men for a few moments this morning, too, directly. Guys, you need to realize that there is a very strategic and intentional effort by the enemy of your soul to make you vulnerable. And to get you to a place where the enemy can either devour you or so break down your life that it's, it's easy pickings for him. Now, he has some strategies to do this, and I want to look at this just real quick. First of all, it has to do with definitions of what is a man. And if you live by the wrong definitions of what is a man, what is a man to do? How does a man carry himself? How does a man treat people? What are the responsibilities of a man? Uh, what does it really mean to be a man? If you live by the wrong definitions, you're going to end up with W6 in your life. It will happen in your life if you live by these wrong definitions. How does a man respond? How does a man speak? How does a man behave? What should a man do in this situation? You know, and this is not about perfection. We, we don't teach perfection here because we can't do perfection here. We point us all to a perfect one. And we are being perfected. But this is not about perfection. This, again, is about direction. And, guys, we've got to get headed toward the right definition of what it means to be a man. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, who had some impact in my life years ago, he was probably one of the forerunners of, of the modern men's movement in churches today. He's gone on to be with the Lord, great man of God. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole said this, Manhood and Christlikeness are synonymous. Manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. So guys, the goal is not to be like all the people we see on TV and beer commercials and down at the ball game and everything else. That's not the goal to be like them. The goal is to be like Jesus. Amen. And you say, I don't know if I want to be like Jesus. Then you don't know enough about Jesus. Because I'm telling you what, and hear this with all respect. Jesus is the man. I'm telling you, Jesus is the man. You don't believe me? Wait till the whole shooting match is over. Amen. 
But the first thing is definitions. And we've got to work on definitions to make sure that we understand what it is to be a man. The other thing is this. The enemy of your soul would love to get you to exempt yourself. And men typically, and listen, I'm not a man basher. I'm for men. I am a man. And part of my call is to get men to be the men of God that God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Typical with a lot of men is we exempt ourselves. We don't, we don't participate in some things. And here's why. We're men. We don't cry. We don't pray. We don't read the Bible. We don't go to church. We don't do stuff. Leave me alone. I'm in my recliner. I'm watching my game. I don't do stuff. I'm not going to go to a small group. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And why? If we, if we dig down into that, why? I'm a man. And it starts with a wrong definition of what a man is. And then that secondly, it moves on to this. If the enemy can convince you to self-exempt yourself, to take yourself out of the game, to not do the things that would actually help you, then we've got a whole other problem, and that's what I want to address right here. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and exempts himself, he doesn't do them. Why didn't he do them? I'm not sure, but Jesus goes on to say he'll be like a foolish man, which means you got the wrong idea what a man is. Who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Houses, hear me, houses fall. Houses fall when we don't do the word. Who lives in houses? People, families, children, wives, parents, houses fall, and it's as great as the fall. Why did it fall? It fell because he exempted himself. It's some reason why I'm not going to do the word, and because of that, houses fall. And I want to tell you, there's a noise in the land, and that noise is houses falling. Destruction is loud. Just a week or so ago, my daughter Greta and I, we, we had left here and dropped her brother off for cross-country practice and we were going to get dinner and we were driving along southwest 20th we were right by the fire station and the baseball fields behind the college and we watched it happen we watched a car and the traffic slowed down and stopped and the car right in front of us was not watching let me just go ahead and give you a mini sermon i'm pretty sure she was texting now, it's not my sermon today, but y'all get this? I'm going to give an altar call right now. <laughs> Texting, so watching the wrong thing, did not even hit her brakes. Plowed into the car in front of her, drove that one into another car. And I'm sure she felt bad about it. I got out right away. I went and checked on everybody. Nobody seriously injured. And they were right in front of the fire station. So I ran over there and got a fireman, and I told him, I said, hey, you got a wreck just right out front, and they got on it just pronto. And then baseball players were out practicing, and they were all by the fence, and they were looking at everything. 
And I heard this comment several times. It was so loud. And I'm telling you what, there's noise in the lives of people that doesn't have to be there. There's noise in our land and in our court system and in and adoptions and all, and abortions and and there's so much noise in our land and i'll tell you what it is it's because houses are falling and why are houses falling i'm gonna just go ahead and make it personal i think it's because men are exempting themselves from doing the word of god let me read to you something here this is the meadowbrook mandate now we've run out of these we've reordered and we'll have them soon these are free they're to everybody in our church we ran out of them after first service today it says, a parable is told about a small village. Y'all, y'all with me? Yeah. A parable is told about a small village on the edge of a river. One day, a villager noticed a baby floating in the water. The concerned villager quickly swam out to save the baby and brought it to shore. The next day, another villager was walking beside the river and spotted two babies in the river. He quickly jumped into the water and rescued them. The following day, four more babies were rescued by the villagers. Every day, the number of children in the water increased. The villagers organized themselves quickly. They built piers and lookouts. They tied rope lines and trained teams to rescue babies. Soon they were working day and night, and still the number of children floating down the river increased with every passing day. Determined to save the helpless babies, the villagers pushed themselves to the point of exhaustion. But despite all their heroic rescue efforts, not one person ever asked the critical question, Why are these babies in the river in the first place? No one ever said, let's go upstream and see where they're coming from. Our world today is much the same as those babies in the river. People are in serious trouble. As believers, as the church, we must reach out to rescue and offer offer help. But we also need to get proactive about the kingdom of God. We need to ask the vital questions. What is causing these things? Where are the problems coming from? I believe one of the greatest solutions is for the men to become real men of God. Here at Meadowbrook, we're going to begin a huge emphasis on discipleship, starting, first of all, with the men. In the United States today, males count for 93% of the current prison population. Of those 93% surveyed, 85% said they had no father figure. These are sobering statistics, and the church needs to take the steps to change the sad reality. The fact is, anytime someone is abused or hurt, anytime someone experiences disappointment or pain, either directly or indirectly, it is largely because a man has not been where he is supposed to be or isn't doing what he should be doing. If men of God will take their rightful place in the church and in the world and in the home, it will impact every area of life. The better the man, the better the family. The better the man, the better the business. The better the man, the better the the neighborhood. The better the man, the better the church. The better the man, the better anything. 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 And here's the principle. Luke eleven twenty one. When a strong man, now look at this. The, the words I'm about to give you now, they totally are the opposite of that W6. When a strong man Fully armed, guards, watches over his own palace. His goods are in peace, undisturbed, safe and sound and whole. So, guys, just a minute longer with you. And I know the ladies are listening in. And anything that you miss or forget, they'll tell you about later, okay? (laughs) I've been talking about 
our high call, which is our men's ministry, high call, answer the call, small groups. And listen to me, look at me, everybody here. This is not some autumn activity for the fellas. This is a life-changing initiative. This is to change men one by one. And guys, I'm for you. This is for you. We're not going to gather you every, every week and tell you how, how weak and wounded. Not, we're, no, this is equipping us so can we, we can be strong and fully armed and we can guard what is ours and we can be true men of God. Now, it's about life change. And life change really happens. You know, it happens here. This is a catalyst, though. This gets you going. But real life change, in addition to this, happens in the context of small groups and relationships. I cannot tell you how many times in my own life, just a single interaction with somebody else changed my life. There were times early on, I played trumpet for many, many years. I got to travel some with some groups and do that. And I remember a couple of times, I pushed the envelope because I knew a certain professional trumpet player was someplace or some renowned teacher or professor was somewhere. Twice I did this and I was able to get into their presence and to get part of a lesson with them. And it changed me. It changed me. There are different people in my, one guy paid 70 bucks and I was hardly making 70 bucks. I paid 70 bucks for a half hour and he only gave me about 25 minutes. And I, and I got some time, a trumpet teacher, a renowned kind of guy, and I just spent a few moments. He had me play like three notes. He looked at me and then he, and then he just started talking to me. And he told me this, 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 this. He wanted to 70. And I'm telling you, everything he told me changed me. Just in those little times. There are times where we have interaction with people that it changes us. And I'm telling you, that's going to happen in these groups. Now listen to me. What I feel the Lord put in my heart was this. Get them in. And we're not exempting ourselves. Get them in, in a group, in a book, and on a project. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take six weeks. Let me describe the six weeks real quick. On October 7th, we're going to have a rally. High call, answer the call. Why do we say that? Because it's a high call to be a man of God, and I'm calling you to answer the call to be the man of God. High call, we're going to have a rally on that, on that Sunday night. And we're going to get you together. I'm going to kick this thing off. We're, we're going to let you know what this is about. We're going to break down the book that I'll tell you about in just a moment. I'm going to get you started on that. Get going. We're going to feed you real good. We're not charging for that night. It'd be free, which... Side note, I need some guys, business is doing good or whatever else, I need you to help me feed hundreds of men, okay? I, I need you to approach Pastor Sean, Tony, Pastor Mike, get a hold of one of them and say, I want to help you feed the guys. Because we're not going to give them beanie weenies, okay? Because let's go back to definitions. Real men might eat beanie weenies, but they need more. Okay, y'all with me? All right. Okay, back, back to our regularly scheduled program here. <laughs> then we're going to take four weeks. Everybody say four weeks. Just four weeks and get you in a small group. And those groups, and you go, well, I can't come because I do this, I do this, I work here, here. Ah, already, we already outthought you. We got groups scheduled all over the clock and all over the week. So that you can, have, we got late night groups, we got early morning groups, we got groups all over the place to make this happen. So you can come for just four weeks. Well, I can't do it because it makes it a little bit hard. For four weeks, 
to change your life. So we're going to have the rally on the first week and then four weeks of the small groups. And then on the sixth week, we're going to come back and we're going to rally again. And by then, the gymnasium will need to be three stories, okay? Because it's just, it's just going to be a powerful time. The Lord put in my heart to get the men in a group, to get them in a book. And this is the book. And we ran out of them again this morning. We'll have them again this week. And uh, it's ordering your private world. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it in just a moment. Y'all have listened so good, I'm, I'm running out of time here. But we're, don't worry, we're going, to get, we're going to get through everything this morning. And then we're going to get on a project. Each group is going to come up with a project. And maybe it's a little old lady that lives across the street from one of them and her screen door is hanging. You know what, that group's going to go fix that door. Or, or whatever, we're going to find some way to serve. Because men of God are to be men of God and they're to serve. So this is what you need to do. Listen, listen guys. You can order the book, listen... You can order the book. We can get it for you cheaper. You can get it on Kindle. I know a couple guys already got it on their phone. Get it. Start reading it, okay? And then we're going to break it down over, over the few weeks. There's five elements that to help you to order your private world. I first read this book in 1984. There have been several revisions. This book helped to change my life. It's one of the reasons we've got this book. What I need you guys to do is to sign up, though. Sign up. So you can sign up at guest services right after, or you can go online and you can, and you can get signed up. Listen to me. This is not an announcement. This is not about an autumn activity for the fellas. This is about a life-changing initiative that will not only change the life of men, it's going to help change the course of this church as well. In the, in the future, in the new year, we're going to be launching groups you know, all over for everybody, men, women, everybody at that point. But we've got to start with the men, and we've got to do it right, and that's, that's starting up October 7th. And so make sure you get in on that, okay? All right, good deal. Um, any guys not get their book yet? Need a book? Anybody? Right there, right there. Bill, take it to him. Wave at him again there. All right, good deal. Now, we got a little more to go, okay? I'm going to do it in three minutes. <laughs> not. Watch. Everybody say watch. Okay, ladies, you can join us again now, okay? And like I said, guys, if you forgot any of that, trust me. The ladies know what I was saying. They, they can remind you. How many of you know I'm telling you the truth, though? You think where disappointments and pain and dysfunction, different things have happened in your life, it's either indirectly or directly. It's because a man, a man didn't know what he was to do or he didn't do what he was supposed to do or he exempted himself somehow. And it's time for that to stop because that's part of the plan of the enemy. Amen. Watch. Everybody say watch. When we talk about watch, we're not talking about some kind of stakeout. We're hiding out. We're paranoid. We're waiting for bad and evil to come to us. We're talking about fully alert and ready. We're, we're talking about SWAT team waiting in the wings. We're talking about a pilot. We're talking about a surgeon. We're talking about that kind of earnest watchfulness for our lives. And there's two things that I just want to touch on real quick this morning. Hopefully, we'll be able to come back and look at this a little bit more. There are two things you've got to have in your life. Number one is this, Jesus as Lord. Now, lots of folks say Jesus is Lord, but you need to have in your life Jesus as Lord of your life. Now, what does that really mean? We'll come to it in just a moment. And the second thing is, and we lift this also from the title of that book, that your private world is more and more. Your private world is more and more in order. 
And this is a process, okay? This is a process. I don't think this really can happen without this one first happening. That truly Jesus as Lord. Seek first, and then the rest of this will happen. But your private world becoming more and more in order. Now let me talk about Jesus as Lord to start with. I love the idea, and let me back up. This, this all, this is the purpose of this service this morning. This is the purpose of every service here. This is the purpose of those answer the call groups. That's the purpose, is so that you'd walk away with Jesus as Lord of your life and your personal world becoming more and more in order. Because when that's the case, you are not vulnerable to the adversary who's trying to gulp you down. Jesus as Lord. I love that Jesus is our friend. That was really weak. I love that Jesus is our friend. I love that Jesus is our guide, our helper, our shepherd. But look at me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus as Lord, as owner, ruler, master, superior, the self-existent, eternal one, the transcendent God who's above, who's far above, who's beyond, who's far beyond. And those are not just directional words. That he is eternal. He is almighty. He is awesome. He is high. He is holy. He's omni, omni, omni. Omnipresent. Everywhere present at once. Omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Omniscient. He's all-knowing. And he's the creator. And he's the redeemer. That God is so far beyond us. And so far high above us. That we cannot understand him. And we cannot explain him. And let me say that if the only God you can serve, the only God you can trust is a God that you can figure out and you can understand, friends, look at me, that's a puny God. And there are people with their great cranial minds, their intellectual abilities, because they can't understand God, say there must not be one. And I'm saying that's weak thinking. Because you've got to know that there's a God, Jesus is Lord, he's creator, he's redeemer, he's above all. He's above all. He's so far off. I, this morning I got up early and I made my hot tea and I, and I you know, stirred it up and just waited and looked and smelled it. And it was just, just part of the experience. And then I lifted the tea bag out, you know, and I stirred it up and I tasted it and it was just right. And I got to tell you, I had tea pride. I had pride in my little mug of tea. About a half hour later, I walked outside and I saw a sunrise. And it's so big, it made me feel so small. And he's so big, a couple times a year, we'll go to the mountains or the beach or somewhere like that. And you need to get out and see what, what he made. Go see what he made. That's part of his transcendence. It's his creator, redeemer, God, and just go and see. He's so high above. Forget for a while he's my friend, he's my shepherd, he's my help. Forget about that and get some fear of God in you that I am so small and he is so big. And I think if we acknowledge that first, that's when we come together, the Lord must be high and lifted up. I think part of your day needs to stop being about, Lord, I got the sniffles, and I pray you help me with the sniffles. And when I go to lunch today, I saw the Baconator on TV, and I hope they still didn't run out of those, and I get a good parking space, and bless the missionaries too. What? 
How about start your day? You're so awesome. It's so big. I can't even breathe unless you give me the next breath. It's in you. I live and I move and I have my being. That the Lord is high and lifted up, that he's transcendent. He's so beyond, I can't even, I can't even explain. I can't wrap my little mind about how big and awesome, holy and eternal. We don't even know what eternal is. And he is that, and yet he chooses to invade time and space and my life. And he becomes my shepherd. Now get this. Now I've got to wrap this up. I don't want to wrap this up. You've got to get this part. Listen, you've got to get this part. Lord, Lord, Lord. Not Jesus is Lord. That's nice. But for your life, Jesus as Lord. Owner, ruler, master, superior. Self-existent, eternal. And if you get this part right, then we can move to this part. Now let this be a symbol to you. Ready for this? Look at it. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. Everybody say it. The Lord is my shepherd. I think if you get more focused on this, you're going to realize more of this. We're worrying all the time about our stuff and our problems and our situation and all that stuff, I just think if you could look up. If you look up, watch yourself and look up. You're going to start to see that as Jesus as Lord, you're also going to have him as shepherd. Amen? In a way like you've never seen before. I just want to ask you a question this morning. Is life working for you? Just think about it. Is it really working? Is this working I mean, I watch some people, they just get stalled for 10 years and worse and worse stuck. I would say something's not working. And I don't know your situation. Maybe you're on your 11th marriage. And I'm not making light of that, but you know what? There's something not happening right. Well, all 11 of those guys were freaky. Well, why are you a freak magnet? Well, I mean, what's the deal? And listen, I'm not mocking anybody's pain, but I'm just saying, look at your life. Somebody say, I've been, I've been broke for decades. Something's not working. I'm depressed every day. Something's not working. And we got to look at it, and, and I, would, I would just dare you to look back and see, do you have Jesus as Lord? I mean, really? Like the way we're talking about a transcendent, incredible God? That'll create fear in you, but it also will create safety in you. You're connected with somebody. Hey, you know, if I have a a problem and an accident, I don't want the judges from American Idol to show up. Look who's here. Big deal, they can't help you. But when we're connected, who is here to help me when I understand he is? And I'm not even worried about him helping me right now. I'm I'm just concerning myself with acknowledging that properly, that Jesus is Lord. And the rest of it, my private world then, We'll talk more about this. And guys, we're really going to talk about this. And ladies, you're welcome to the book too. Really you are. It's called Order in Your Private World. Gordon MacDonald. You can get it Amazon, wherever. 
But I believe this, you get Jesus as Lord and you can start the process of getting your private world order, listen, uh, private world ordered. Here's what happens. You become less and less vulnerable. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about, continuous and repeated, seeking whom he may devour. I'd like for every one of you to be able to say, because you've got Jesus as Lord and your personal world is becoming more and more ordered, that you could square up with the enemy of your soul and you can say, you may not devour me. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today?